Oh, hey, a little weak. Everybody said. Amen. All right, thank you. Okay, generosity. Okay, now, before you run screaming out the back door, I want to tell you that uh, this is not uh, an appeal for you to be more generous this morning, unless you need an appeal to be more generous, okay? Because this really isn't that way. This message is really about talking to you about what your generosity has already done, okay? But I got a couple things I got to share with you before I get to that, okay? So, so, so don't, don't think I'm going to ask you to get your checkbook out and write a bigger check than you normally write this morning. I mean, that's up to you. I mean, if you've been writing, you know, 50-cent checks for your tithes, unless, you know, you're, unless you're only making $5 a week, then, yeah, you probably need to up what you're doing, okay? But, uh, but that's, that's not the point of this, okay? So, so don't hear me that way. Hear, hear, me what, hear, hear me what God has laid on my heart to share with you about how God meets needs through generosity. Generosity. What is generosity? We, can, we know what it is, don't we? Kind of. Well, let's make sure. This, this is the definition. Readiness in giving. That's what generosity is. Meaning that somebody doesn't have to twist your arm, that you're ready to give. I mean, when you see somebody in need, I mean, your, your billfold starts coming out of your back pocket. You know, when you see a need, you, you, you immediately want to do something to meet the need. A readiness in giving. That's what generosity is. That's what radio had. I mean, he, he, he knew people were in need. He's sitting there looking at all these presents in his living room, and he thinks about all these people in need. You know, and, and a lot of that stuff is stuff that, you know, maybe he doesn't need. Maybe even the person that he puts it on their, on their doorstep doesn't need it. But that, was, that wasn't the point. He just knew there were people in need, and he had to do something. He had to give something. Let me take you to the Old Testament to a man that uh, was also very generous. A lot of times when we look at generous people, a lot of times we look and we, we, we see people kind of in that mid-range. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't always appear like the affluent are the ones who are the giving and generous ones. It seems like they're hoarding and keeping all they can. Yeah, they'll give a little bit to charity, you know, whatever, but really don't do it. Well, this is a different story because this is a man who had a whole lot. He was the king. His name, King David. You remember David? He was the little shepherd boy, uh, the one that killed Goliath and then became king of Israel. Well, let, let me take you to a story in his life. It says, now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. This is 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 12, just the first part of that verse. So David heard that God had blessed Obed-Edom because of the ark. Okay, you got to have some backstory here, so let's back up a little bit. Last week, I was telling you about uh, Eli and his two sons, evil sons. They were priests, but they have been doing despicable things. They abhorred the, uh, the, uh, uh, the gift of God into their lives, and they were doing despicable things there at the temple uh, with the servants of the temple. And, and God said, I'm going to have to judge them. And so what happens is someday later, the Israelites are in uh, a battle with the Philistines, and the Philistines are winning. And then somebody in the battle says, hey, wait a minute, we've got God's presence, and it's symbolized by that big box back in camp. You know, the, the, the box is called the ark. And so they sent word back, said, bring the box, because God's presence was associated with the box. See, things are different today than it was back in those days, because today we know in the New Testament, because of the blood of Jesus, because of his sacrifice, what has happened is now your body is the temple. So now it's like sitting here today, there's about 80 temples right here around us, okay? Back in those days, there was one. And, and, and because there was never a perfect sacrifice for their sin, they could, never, they could never be really that close to God. God even told Moses, said, you can't see my glory or you'll pass away. You can't see me. So, so they couldn't come that close. So, so God had made this, had made this uh, given them this instruction that build this box. It, it was a beautiful box. I mean, it, it was overlaid with gold. It had cherubims on it. And he said, build this box and put the Ten Commandments inside of it. And one time a year, I'm going to come and you're going to see my presence. You're going to see the Shekinah, the, the actual cloud of my presence come. 
And so the Israelites said, let's go get the box because that's where the presence of God is. So they went and got the box, Hophni and Phinehas, the two evil sons of Eli, and they ran into battle with it thinking, yeah, we've got the box. They had the box, but they didn't have the God of the box. And that's the problem. So they run into battle, and there's no power there. And they are killed in battle. The box, the ark, is taken. It is stolen. It is taken captive. And the Philistines, they stick it in their temple. Awesome story. Let me, can I tell you, this is an awesome story you need to go read in the next few chapters after 2 Samuel chapter 3. Okay, You need to read this. It is awesome what God does. I, 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 just, I just want to tease you a little bit because I want you to go home and open your Bible, and I want you to read what God does to the God of the Philistines in his own temple. Okay, you got you to go read this. That's pretty cool. Okay, so God does something. You know, the true God does something in the Philistines' temple to their false God that is not really a God. And so they get scared, and so they send the ark away. I, I got to wrap this up real quick. Let me just tell you, man, people, people start getting uh, diseases. They start getting uh, plagues put upon them. People are dying because, you know what? It's not because of the box. It's because of their casual attitude toward the box, just like half nine finished. Hey, we got the box. And so they get scared of the box, and so they, they stick it away. And, and then David, he goes, and he wants to bring the box back. And David also has a casual attitude toward the box. He's not thinking about the God of the box. And, and this is so strange for David, because David understood the blessings of the anointing and the presence of God. As he spent, he spent hours by himself watching his father's sheep writing those psalms that he wrote that, that you know, we read all the time, that a lot of the songs that we sing take words from, from actual da David's pen thousands of years ago that are in some of our, our worship songs that we sing on Sunday mornings. And, and he was practicing his, his uh, playing his harp, and uh, you know, not the big, big harp you know, like maybe you think of in, in an orchestra, but the harps that, that he had back in those days, and, and, he, and he learned to play those. And he became a skilled musician, but more than just skill, he had an anointing, so much anointing that the king that preceded him, King Saul, when David was still a young man, would send for David when, when, when King Saul had, a, had a, a spirit of depression or, or darkness, some kind of evil spirit come and, 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 just, and just press him down. He would send for David. David would come in, and because of not just his skill, but because of his anointing to play, it would just begin to it would just begin to to, to dispel that spirit and bring in the presence of God. And it's all you know. It'd just be a good thing if Saul could have ever understood that it wasn't David's playing. Just like it's not the box, it's the God of David's playing and the God of the box. But he didn't get that, so he had to keep sending for David. And David would keep bringing the presence of God instead of instead of Saul actually figuring this out for himself. So David understood this. David, David, when he was uh, in, in the out in the wilderness watching his father's sheep, there, a lion came one time, a bear came another time, and he had to stand against them and kill them. And he gives God glory. God, God is the one that made me strong to kill the lion and the bear. And then one day. As a young man, he stands face to face with Goliath. And God guides, uh, you know, I believe the Holy Spirit of God guides that stone right into the forehead of the giant, the champion of the Philistines, and puts him down on his back. And David runs over and draws Goliath's sword and cuts off his head while he's laying there motionless. And he wins a great victory. David understands the blessing of the presence of God. And so when he hears this, he knows what's going on. See, they have, they have gotten the ark. They've gotten the ark to Obed-Edom's house, and they just stuck it in his house because everybody's scared of it now. They're scared of it. The re you don't have to be scared of God when you honor and respect him for who he is and what he does. But he, he, they weren't handling him right. They were, they, were, they were dishonoring him. 
They were disrespecting him. And so they got scared and they said they just stuck him away. And then David hears that. So wait a minute. I remember that. I remember the blessings. Obed-Edom, his house was beginning to be blessed financially. They were being blessed. Great things were happening. And David said, wait a minute. I remember. That's, that, that's because of the presence of God. And, and some have said, well, David got jealous and he had to get that back for him. No, he got jealous, not for himself, but for all of Israel. He said, we got to have that spirit back here. And so he prepares a place. He starts preparing. He prepares a place. Okay, I got, I got to draw some parallels here. Okay, he prepares a place for the ark to exist in Israel. He prepares a place for the ark to exist in his life. He, he, he creates this place. He pitches a tent. God doesn't let him build a house yet, a, a house of worship, a temple yet. It, it's, a, it's a temporary thing. It's a tent. He erects a tent, and he prepares a place, and, and, then, and, and, and that's what you're doing with your generosity. You're preparing a place in your life for God to move in. And so then he, he gathers all of Israel, and, and the words there say that he assembles all of Israel. And I, I just imagine everybody probably doesn't show up, right? Uh, you think every single house in all of Israel is empty? Probably not. Okay, he tries to assemble. As he assembles all of Israel, you know, there's, there, there's somebody at work late last night. There's somebody that's sick. There, whatever. There's people that aren't there in the street. But he assembles all of Israel. Then he gets the Levites. That's the, that's the family of the priests. And, and he, says, he says, go and appoint some of your family, those that can play well, and appoint them as musicians to go with us. And so they appoint musicians. So they get all together, and, and, and David and uh, the uh, musicians, and then the priests who are going to bear the ark, and then also, I can't remember the guy's name. It starts with K, but he's the, he's the choir director that's uh, going to go that day. They, they all have on fine linen robes on them, and, and then David also has on a linen ephod as well. And I know that doesn't mean a whole lot to you, does it? Let me just, let me just explain it to you this way. They went way deep in the closet to get the very best that they had to put on that day because this is a special day. Okay, you understand they're turning things completely around. They're no longer casual about the things of God. They're no longer casual about this box. They're no longer casual about their approach to this box. They are purposefully doing some things to put their lives in a place, to create a place for God, and to approach Him in the right way. You see, your generosity, when, when you just do it flippantly and say, uh, I'll, you know, I'll get, here, I'll give $5, that doesn't mean a whole lot. But when you begin to hear from God, and you begin to purposely say, I want God to lead me to be a generous person. And you're wide open for God to speak into you. You know, like maybe even God spoke to radio that this is too much for you, radio. You need to be somewhere. You need to be giving this to people, uh, people who aren't as affluent as you are right now today, this moment with all these things. You need to be giving to that. You need to set yourself up in that same way. And so this is, this is what David had done. So he gathers everybody together. They go to the house of Obed-Edom, and the priests, they take the post. They, got to, they stick these posts through, through the rings on the box because nobody's really supposed to touch the box, okay? The box is holy. The box symbolizes the presence of God. And so they stick these poles through it, and the priests put the poles up on their shoulders. They're touching the poles that go through the rings of the box. And so they start, start out walking, and after the priest takes six steps, you know what David does? He says, stop! Okay, Whew. nobody's dead again. Because people were dying because, I mean, people were getting plagues on them because of, because of their flippant attitude toward God and the box. And they make six steps, and David's like, made it this far. Let's stop. Let's do something. And so they begin sacrificing. And so they sacrifice bulls and goats and things, and, and, and they, they, they take that time to do that, and there's the priest standing, holding that, you know, with, their, with their, their fine linen robes on. They're standing there holding that. They get the sacrifice done. He said, okay, now let's go on. And so they go on. 
And they go on, and the word says that they, uh, in this processional, there are ram's horns, horns playing, there are trumpets playing, they're playing with loud cymbals, uh, they're playing with, with lyres and harps, and, and, and there is, it says that there is a great shout among the people. I mean, they are celebrating. I mean, this is, the, this is probably the loudest parade you've ever heard. And then you know what happens? David gets out in front of the ark, and he takes off the linen ephod, now he's just down to that fine linen robe that he's got on, and he starts dancing out before God, and he dances with all his might. I would like to take a moment here, if I had about two and a half hours of moments here, to talk about worshiping God with all your might. David didn't say, okay, uh, God, thank you for everything this week. He said, the presence of God is coming back to my life. This was a purposeful thing. This was an exciting day. He knew what it meant to be blessed by the presence of God, and he was so excited. He was out there in front of everybody and everything, and worse, and he was dancing with everything in him. He had given thought. I believe that means he had given thought to his dance. Maybe that's why he put on the linen ephod, as he thought, i got to have something to take off so the people know I'm serious. You know, I think sometimes, I know some preachers, some of the guys that I grew up listening to when I was a kid. I know some preachers, the only reason they wore a coat, they didn't preach in a coat. The only reason they wore a coat is so they had something to take off so people would know when they got to the serious part of the message. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're seeing people like it. It's like, oh, I got to get out of this. I take the coat off and pitch it. Now, now people know they're serious. I think you know, maybe David was doing some things like he was thinking in his mind, I am going to rejoice before my God today with everything I've got. He had prepared a place. He had gotten the Levites ready. He said, let's get some musicians. Let's get some songs. Everything was it. They took six steps. And said, Wait a minute. We got some sacrifice and we've got to do. And then everybody is shouting glorifying God. And he said, okay, now let's go. And they get all the way back and they finally put the ark in the place that he had prepared. And David, man, now he's worn out, man. We've had a day of it. It's been awesome. It's been wonderful. And he blesses the people and he sends them home. He blesses the people. It is an easy thing to speak a blessing. You ever do that? You ever say, well, I hope you feel better. That's kind of a blessing. Now, if you just kind of throw it out, There's not anything in that. But if as a child of God, something in your spirit, you know, when you just run into somebody that has a problem, and something in your spirit just, while while you're about to speak, you're just reaching up and saying, God, help me right here. And you reach up and you try to get a hold of God's hands in your spirit as you speak this, and you say, I hope your son gets better. I hope your situation gets, I hope your marriage, I hope this. You are speaking a blessing of them, but do it with just a little bit more emphasis instead of hope. And say, I pray or I believe that God can help your situation. That's a blessing. And how many, how many times? We do that, don't we? I mean, we say that kind of a thing. And we say, or, or somebody says, I got a problem. I, I really need some prayer. And you say, I pray that God's going to do that. I'm going to be pray-. And we make that promise, right? And how many times do we follow through? Or how many times six weeks later we see that person again? Say, oh, I forgot to pray for them. You know, because it's easy to speak a blessing. But David took another step. He didn't just speak the blessing. The word says, he gave, this is uh, chapter, chapter 6, verse 19. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of Israelites. Okay, now he has called all of Israel out to the street. We're going to do this big procession parade thing. you know, And he is prepared 
Look at this. He has prepared enough, enough cakes and, and cakes of raisins and dates, loaves of bread. He has prepared enough of that for every single person, each per- not just every family, each person in the whole crowd of Israelites, both men and women. And then all the people went to their homes. He get, Now, can I ask you a question? Where did he get all these loaves of bread and cakes of dates and raisins? He didn't run to Sam's. We were talking about this yesterday a little bit. We were talking about going to get some, but he didn't run to Sam's. Didn't have Sam's back in those days. His bakers had been up all night long. This was something that David had planned. He didn't get the thought, man, I wish I had enough loaves of bread I could give away today. Oh, he, he said, man, we got to do, do something amazing tomorrow. You know, here, here's the thing. Here's what I want you to see, is that David wanted everyone in Israel to celebrate the return of the presence of God. He wanted everybody to be excited about the presence of God being in Israel. You know, that's, that's the heart of, of a true worshiper. You know, we, were, we were told in the Scripture that David was a man after God's own heart. He was a true worshiper. And one of the things he wanted, he wanted everybody to worship God. But you know how we do it most of the time, don't we? The way we, we approach that is we want everybody to worship God, and so then what we do is we want to point our fingers at the ones that don't. Say, yeah, 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 whatever, right? Say, well, you don't do that, you don't do this, you're not a real worshiper. And my goodness, I don't understand how they can stand in the presence of God and act like that. You ever thought that? Guilty. I'm talking about me. Guilty. Wonder why in the world, you know, how in the world can God do all of this for you? How in the world? Because I know some of the blessings and miracles that God has performed in your life. And sometimes I'm wondering, how in the world can you stand there with your hands in your pockets? You know, I mean, I'm guilty of that. That's not what David was doing this day. You know, let me, let me give you a little something to think about. The next time that you begin wondering why somebody can't, why don't you just imagine why they can't? Maybe it's like, like Bradley said, we wondered, we wondered uh, yesterday why Bradley took so long getting back with that last load of, of mulch. And thank you, incidentally, for all the guys that came out and helped uh, spruce up outside. That was a good place to stick that in, wasn't it? Big thank you right there. We wondered why Bradley, finally he texted me, he said, I'm finally on my way back. The guy here needed somebody to talk to. He had lost his job this week. Oh, man, we're in a hurry. Come on, get that mulch back here, boy. We're in a hurry. Got people hanging around. We're just standing around here holding our shovels up, you know, waiting on Next time you just wonder why in the world is somebody not worshiping, maybe they lost their job this week. Maybe their spouse walked out Friday night and didn't come back home. Maybe, and I'll tell you, this happens. This happens in our churches. I've had it happen. I've been in youth services that I know it happened, that maybe the night before that teenager was abused by somebody in their own home sexually. Maybe, maybe, maybe they blew the big interview that was going to land them the job that was going to set them for the rest. Maybe... Maybe they didn't get the scholarship that was going to help them with their education. You see, it's, a, it's very easy to just speak blessings and then point fingers. And David didn't do either. He spoke the blessing, but then he got in behind his blessing that he spoke. He said, I'm not just going to speak it. He said, I'm prepared to back it up. Do you see that? He didn't just say, I bless you, now y'all go home. No, I'm prepared to back this one up. Are you prepared to back up your blessing? Hmm. You know, next time you start to speak, I hope or I pray or I, I believe God, is, you better be ready to back up your blessing. David was. He had the baker staying up all night preparing. The, you got, man, you got to make a bunch of them. We got to have a lot. We got to have enough for everybody out there. And he was prepared to back up his blessing. And he didn't point fingers and say, why aren't you or why didn't you or why this or why that? He blessed them. And he wanted everyone to celebrate, so he chose to help them celebrate. He chose to help them celebrate. 
There are some people, now listen, this is not an excuse to not worship God, but there are some people today sitting in churches that they can't think of a reason to be excited today because of the stuff that they've been through. That's not an excuse. I'm not saying, look, if you're going through a tough time, you don't need to worship God. That's not what I'm saying. But when we recognize that in people, then we need, to, we need to do what we can to help them celebrate. And that's what David did. There were people that could not go home and have a great meal that afternoon. I took care of that. And I didn't send them home just to have a meal. I sent them home to have dessert. I mean, you know, I didn't just send them home, you know, to, 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 to have beans and, you know, and cornbread. Man, I sent them home to, have, you know, have dessert, have a holiday. Cakes of, of dates and cakes of raisins and, and loaves of bread. I sent them home to have a holiday, to have a celebration. And so people were able to go home, and they were able to cut into their own loaves of bread. They were able to tear off a, a piece of that cake of dates and raisins, hand it to their children, and everybody was able to celebrate because David chose to not just point a finger and not just speak a blessing, but to help them celebrate. Think about someone who doesn't have turkey on Thanksgiving. It's hard to celebrate, isn't it? Not because they're not blessed, but they're not blessed as much as everyone else. And as they look around and everybody else is enjoying turkey and dressing and all the fixings and everything, and they're, you know, they, they've got one little chicken to kind of spread between six, seven, or eight people in their house, sometimes it's hard. But what David said is nobody is going to be without excuse to worship God today. And so he chose to help them celebrate. And this is what you've done. This is what you've done. Maybe you did it by accident, but you've done that. The spirit of, of the early church that said, we're not satisfied with too much as long as somebody has too little. The spirit of radio that opens all those presents and says, wow, this is awesome, but I don't need all of this. I know somebody who does. The spirit of David who says, man, this is, it is awesome to be in the presence of God, and I don't want the lack of food or rejoicing or any blessing to stand between people and worshiping God, and so he helped. That same spirit... I believe is a 2911 spirit. A 2911 attitude of generosity. Let me just share some of the things that, that has happened because of your generosity. We had an unemployed father call. This, this hadn't been too long ago. Call one day and, and his child was in the hospital. Unemployed now, been unemployed for a while, looking for a job, single dad, didn't have a lot of money, struggling to make ends meet, trying to find a job. Child needs to come home from the hospital today, but the child cannot go home and live at home without a $100 piece of medical equipment. If I can't buy this piece of equipment, they need to stay in the hospital because they need to get well. They will not get well at home without this $100 piece. And I don't have the $100. You know what? Because of your generosity, I didn't have to call a meeting and say, what are we going to do to raise $100? I didn't have to wait until Sunday and say, hey, I, I, can, can I get two or three people to give $30, $40, $50, dollars and let's put this together? That after, we went and wrote a check for $100 and took to a, an unemployed dad and said, bring your child home. Go buy that piece of medical equipment. Let them be well. We were able to speak a blessing, but also stand behind the blessing because of your giving. Or I had a call late one Sunday night. Pastor, I, I got a letter the other day, and I've been trying to figure out how all weekend I want to take care of it. I didn't know I had, I had a, a, a traffic ticket, and now court costs are on top of it. And I said, I didn't even, I'd forgotten all about it. I got a letter. They're coming to arrest me tomorrow if I don't pay it, Pastor. What am I going to do? This is, this is someone that was connected to our church. And, and you know, what do you do? I don't have any way, Pastor. I don't have any money. I, there's no way I can pay this. You know what we did? We helped with it. I didn't have to call a meeting. Because of your, because of your generosity, 
Because of your giving, because the church is, the, the church is stable in finances, we're, we're able to just, hey, let's take care of that and able to handle that. And, and you think about all the things of a, of a dad going to jail and not being able to work that day. And about, you know, uh, you know going to jail and having that as a, as a, as a testimony of, of, you know, of not being able. And God did deliver. How did God deliver? He delivered through the church. No, He delivered through you because of your generosity. Because you, you would, because you give as God has given to you and say, come on, let's, let's take care of the community. And it's being done. Or, or uh, all true stories of a child who, who did not have lunch money that week to go to school. You know, I ask all the questions you want to ask. I don't care. It doesn't matter. There's a child that's going, you know, and so, well, I think parent, well, I think, well, you think whatever you want to, but if a child's going hungry, I don't care. You know, it doesn't matter what parents are doing, what parents aren't doing. Child, child doesn't have money, uh, have lunch money that week. And again, this is somebody connected with our church. You know what? They had lunch money that week. Why? Because of generosity. Or, or, or there was a, a family, and this was, this was quite a while ago. There was a family who had lost, uh, who'd lost their, their place to live. And the church, and this is another church, a family that's connected to our church. And the church, we were, we were able to put them up in a hotel. They didn't have any. We, we tried. We tried looking for them places to go, and they tried finding, couldn't find a place to go. So you know what we did? We put them up in a hotel. That was the best we could do. We, we got a hotel, give us a special rate. We put them up in a hotel for a week until we could help them find something. And, and you know, we, we didn't stop there because we also sent the, the student pastor over to pick up the kids, get them out of the hotel. You know how miserable that is being in a hotel all week long? I mean, it's good to get away for a little while, but you know, being in a hotel all week long, a family trying to live in a hotel room. You know, we went and picked up the kids. The student pastor went and actually we sent the student pastor to go pick up the kids, took them to Pizza Hut to the buffet and said, okay, chow down, guys, anything you want. Let me tell you something. It is important. Important. It is important for kids to go to Pizza Hut every once in a while and eat all they want to eat. Amen. I mean, that's important, you know. And and, and what a blessing! It's, it's like we weren't saying, "Hey, let's go," for, because you know what we normally do, don't we? The yard sale kind of a stuff. We go find, you know, let's go find three or four cans of what we're never going to eat that we bought by mistake, you know, and let's take it over to the people that have a need this this evening and whatever. And you know what? They didn't need it. They needed to be blessed, and because of your generosity. They didn't just have food to eat. They were blessed. Kids walked away with their bellies full, big smiles on their face because of your generosity. That's an awesome thing. David didn't say, okay, give everybody, a, you know, let's buy those little packs of raisins. Give everybody a little pack of raisins. No, he said, come on, we're going to give them a loaf of bread. We're going to give them a cake of raisins and a cake of dough. They're going to home to have a celebration. That's what generosity is. Generosity doesn't say, well, let's make sure they've got enough. Generosity says, it says, says, let's make sure they've got enough and more so that they are rejoicing because they too have their cup overflowing because of what God has given to them through us. There was a retired pastor in our area who lost his place to live and did not have means to get into another place. Didn't have any hopes. Didn't have family out of the question. Just, just no hope. And this church, because of your generosity, we actually had some people go help him move into a retirement home, uh, and not, not a nursing home, but a retirement apartment area. And actually, we helped pay uh, down, down payment deposit or something. I don't even remember what we paid. We helped pay that to get them into that place. A retired pastor that had nowhere to go, and you helped him get somewhere. So all those years of preaching the gospel and, and doing without, because a lot of pastors have, all those years, he was blessed because of your generosity. You put him in a place where he could have these years of his retirement. That he could have these years in a nice place. You did that. A couple of years ago in April, 
27th, April 27th, 2011. Sound familiar to any of you guys? Big tornado blows through, right? You know, there was uh, one of the families in our church had two other families living with them after this because their homes were destroyed. And so they were living with them, one of the families in, in our church. So the three families were living in a one-family home. And this went on for months. You know, one of the things we did is we went and bought gifts, gift cards. To, uh, we bought a gift card to Full Moon and took it to them. So, so here, y'all go buy what y'all want. And then we, we, uh, another time we did, we went and we bought gift card. We, we added up how many people were in the house, and we multiplied it out. We went down to, we went down to Ryan's, and we bought a gift card. We took it to him and said, this Sunday, for Sunday dinner, you know, you're not going to fix sandwiches. Take everybody to Ryan's. Let them, you know, if, if they'll let you, let them just pull chairs right up next to the bars, you know, and just sit down and eat until you're full and whatever. Blessings like that. You know how we did that? We didn't do that by having a meeting, by taking up 5 or $10. We did that because we were already ready to do that. We had already made the plans that when, when, the, when the, the, the need arises, boom, we're going to be ready to do that. And then Cordova, the Cordova Relief Agency that was over there, they called us. Now, we, we, I mean, if you remember that, there was some, we were having a hard time finding places to get into. But the Cordova Relief Agency actually called me one day and said, we need some supplies. They told me what they needed. And we, we needed to get a good deal on them because they needed a lot of them. And I called around. We found some place. You know what? We went over. We picked up the boxes. I delivered them over there. So I remember this was a Wednesday afternoon. And, uh, and I delivered them over there. And I had to hurry back here because I had a class to teach that night here at church. And so I ran over there, kind of pitched them off, you know, and, and uh, asked anything else you need and hurried back out the, out the door and got in the car and drove back over here so I could teach that class that night. And, and we did that. And it wasn't out of the past pocket. It was because you had already been generous and prepared, and we were able to meet the need that was there. I can't tell you how many times we've helped somebody with their Alabama power bill. Now, uh, let, me be, let me be a little uh, specific here and explain something to you. I don't mean that we've helped how many times we've helped one family with their power bill over and over and over. How many different families we've helped with the power bill? Because I'll tell you this, we've got, we've got something in place here, and I want you to know this because you give into this church. I want you to know how we handle the, the offerings that you give that we consider to be God's money. It's when somebody has a need, we, we will bless them a first time. If we don't know them, they've got a need, and if we can run it down, we don't just give out cash because we don't want somebody asking for liquor money, calling it something else, okay? But, but we, we, will, we will write a check to Alabama Power or things like that, and we will help them one time. And then we explain to them that we have things in place. And one of the reasons we do this is because we don't want people coming back over and over and over just to, just to abuse our generosity. But also because this is who we are at 2911. We don't want to just give you a fish. We want to teach you to fish. So we'll, we'll give you a fish today, but come back because we've got, we've got financial counselors in this church that'll help you with your budgeting. And we've got, life, we've got life counselors in this church, people that can help you change lifestyles and, and see the places that you're messing up. We've got people like that in church. And also we have, we have small groups that, that, that teach you these things. So, so this, this one's free. This one's up front. This is free. But if you're ever in need like this again, you need to be in, already involved in one of these other things before you ask for another gift. Because, and, and what that puts, that puts it on them that, hey, i got to start helping myself. And if they, if they want to, praise God. If they don't, you know, I'm sorry, we can't help. But if they do, praise God. Because that's who we are at 2911. We want to teach people to fish. Uh, kids at Christmas. I mean, sometimes we tell you about kids that need Christmas. Sometimes we find out about something and we just go buy gift cards, take them to mom. It's like, here. Go to Walmart. 
buy, buy the Christmas that they need. Or if they give us a list, we just go buy it. A lot of times we tell you because we want you to be able to actually commit or connect to those kids. Or I can't tell you how many times also we've, we've, gone, uh, we've gone to the grocery store and we just loaded up a, a cart of groceries to take to a single mom that didn't have anything to feed her kids when they got home from school that day. You know how we did that? Because of your generosity. We didn't, we didn't do it because of my goodness, because of my grit, because of your generosity. That's who we are. That's 2911 generosity. That, that's, that's what's been going on behind the scenes. And I've been so excited. I've been waiting to tell you this. I've been waiting to, to, to just share this with you because I want you, man, listen, I, if I could reach around, I'd pat everyone on the back right now and say, you're doing an awesome thing because you've got the same spirit of generosity that David had and say, I'm not going to just speak blessings. I'm going to be a part of a church and the finances of a church that gives the blessings and helps people celebrate. So here's, here's my challenge to you. Don't get weary in well-doing, Scripture says, for in due season, when the time is right, you're going to reap a great reward. If you don't get weary, if you don't faint, if you don't quit, don't get weary. You're doing a great thing. You are planting seed that is going into people's lives and homes that is changing the community one life at a time. Don't give up. Don't keep doing it. Keep hanging in there. Here's what I want to do. I want to pray something over you this morning. I want to, I want to pray a prayer over you. I'm going, to, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask God to do something. Come on, Jamie, if you will, and bring while they're moving forward. I want to pray a prayer over you. Right after we pray the prayer, Jamie's going to lead us in a final song. We're going to be dismissed. And some of you, I know you're already like, he forgot the offering. No, I didn't. <laughs> the ushers are going to be standing at the back door on your way out. You can drop your offering in the offering bag. If there's a first-time attender with us this morning, hey, that bag is for us to drop an offering in. It's for you to drop that card in that you got, okay? That's, that's all it's for, all right, for you. I want to pray this prayer over you. I want to pray that God does something awesome in your life. Can I show you one last little verse here? After David did all that that he did, look what he said. Then David returned home to bless his household. Who is is David or what what is David's title or position? King. Can you imagine what it's like when the king comes home to bless his household? I mean, they've already got all the money in the kingdom as it is, pretty much. I mean, you know, they got everything to eat they would ever want. But he comes home with a specific attitude of, I'm going home to bless my family. Wow, come on, somebody. Somebody ought to be excited about that. When the king comes home to bless his family. King David went home. I I would like to know. He had, the, he had the baker stay up all night to prepare all the, 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 those baked goods to bless Israel. What in the world did he have in his hands to bless his family with? Because they already had some. What, what could he call a blessing? Because they had everything they needed. What in the world could he call a blessing? And the same thing with you. Because of your generosity, I'm praying this not because I'm going to talk God into it. I'm going to pray this because I believe this is what God wants to do. The king wants to come to your home to bring a blessing. Stand with me, will you? The king wants to bring you a blessing. Close your eyes with me for a moment. And think about this one scripture. 
where he says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Running over will men just dump into your laps because of your generosity. I pray that prayer of you right now.